Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 64, being recorded on Tuesday, January 3rd, 2017. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Happy New Year, Jason, and welcome to episode 64 of Jason and Scott Show listeners. This is our first show of 2017, and we're excited to announce that we will be live podcasting from NRF's Big Show, which is in New York City at the ginormous Javits Center, January 15 to 17. If you've never been to the Big Show, there's a reason it's called the Big Show. There's over 33,000 attendees, uh, a global audience. I've uh, never seen so many Brazilians in one place outside of Brazil. Tons of great content, and the entire Javits Center is filled with exhibit halls. I think last year there was three exhibit halls. They Every, every year they seem to add more exhibit space. Um, so we are going to be live podcasting from there, and as a special treat to our listeners, if you use code Jason and Scott 20, that's uh, J, capital J for Jason, uh, and Scott, and Scott only has one T, and it's capital S, and then the numbers two zero. at checkout, you'll receive a 20% discount exclusive to our listeners. Uh, I mentioned before, but we're going to be live podcasting from the main exhibit hall in an area called the NRF Clubhouse. So check for us there. Uh, if you saw us at the Digital Summit, we had a lot of fun, and they've decided to bring back the live podcasting for the NRF Big Show. We're really looking forward to this, and now that we've announced that, Jason, how was your holiday? It was terrific, Scott. I feel like it's been a couple of weeks since we, we've talked. I've been in a little bit of Scott withdrawal. Yeah, yeah. People, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a disease out there that people really really miss talking to me. So it's it's a I feel your pain. <laughs> did you uh, were you stationary? Or did you get to travel over the holiday? I uh, I visited my family in Southern California. So we got out of the cold in Chicago and uh, went to semi sunny Palm Springs, California for for Christmas and uh, had a great time. Yeah. More importantly than all this like holiday and family mess, uh, have you seen Rogue One yet? I did. I did not get to see it on opening day, but uh, my wife took uh, took me as a a treat, got a babysitter, and uh, we went out to dinner and saw it. And I uh, – we, obviously, we won't do any spoilers, but I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really amazing. The uh, I never thought that a, another movie would make me view episode four in such a different light, but it's pretty neat to go watch that again, and you kind of get a different vibe. It's It's a – it's really amazing. So, uh, if you're remotely interested in Star Wars, go see it. Yep, and I do. I didn't. I think I missed most of them, but I, I got the strong impression throughout the movie that there's a ton of Easter eggs, um, like characters that we, you know, briefly come across that we know play roles in in uh, or small roles in in Episode Four, for example. So, I'm going to be uh, uh, eager to see it again um, to pick up on some of that stuff. Yeah, and there's an animated series called Star Wars Rebels. It's kind of aimed for a younger set, but I have a 10-year-old daughter that loves it. Um, so I end up watching that with her a lot. And um, there's a lot of Easter eggs for that, too. So it's kind of neat. It's it's kind of uh, – it's a little bit of an earlier timeline, um, Some this kind of following this new band of rebels and what happens to them and, and whatnot. Um, so there was several Easter eggs for that show, too. So it was a little bit of something for everyone. It was It was a lot of fun. Very cool. 
And a, a longstanding tradition uh, for me is, you know, being Jewish, I, I'm really eager to talk to my Christian friends after Christmas to see if they got any good toys that I could play with. No toys. My family has found it hard to get me toys because I'm uh, like yourself. When they when I see them, I they kind of end up in a you know coming in a prime box pretty quickly. Uh, I did get something that's pretty interesting. I got an R two D two suitcase, so that's going to be exciting. Kind of going on business trips. I'll I'll be debuting that at the NRF show, so I'll uh, bring it and you can you can chat with R two. I feel like uh, no one that knows you will be remotely surprised to see you. Um, I do feel like we have one friend that's going to be very disappointed if you didn't get it from eBags. <laughs> well, I don't know its origin because it was a gift, so I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. Got well, a lovely, thoughtful gift. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's got tons of room inside too. Nice. Is it does it is it is it legal as a carry on? Yeah, yeah. It's uh yeah, it's like a twenty or twenty two inch kind of carry on. Um, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Cool. And does it have a hologram at all? Yeah, there's a little slot for Death Star plan, so I'm ready to rock and roll. Awesome. Um. So Scott, as our lawyer list, as our loyal listeners will know, we have a longstanding tradition on the Jason and Scott show. At the beginning of every year, uh, since since our very inception, we've we've done a series of predictions for the year, and then at the end of the year, um, we get to have a lot of fun looking back at those predictions and seeing how well or not so well we did. Yeah, yeah, and as longstanding traditions go, you know, this is the the second year, so it's almost like we're forming a tradition in a way. Uh, and I've been thinking about the entire break because I knew you were going to come out with some amazing ones. So uh, hopefully, we got some here that are going to amaze and shock our listeners. Uh, but before we jump into 2017, should we take a little look back by going through our predictions that we made a year ago in January? Uh, we should totally do that. And and before you know, right before that, let me just say. I spent the last three days in December desperately trying to cause news to happen. To, How's that? To bring several of my my predictions over the finish line that I was sort of worried about, and oh, okay. I, I was completely unsuccessful. But did you try some fake news and uh, yeah, get it to go I, viral? I hired a bunch of guys to post stories on Facebook, and um, it it totally failed. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Um, but so you, you may not need the fake news cause, uh, I am steering at your predictions and it actually seems, um, like you did in general pretty well. Um, so you, uh, as a reminder, we did five predictions each. So your first prediction for 2016 was that 2016 will be the year of chat commerce. Um, and, uh, I'm going to give that one a mixed score. Like, uh, semantically, you're probably right. Like there was a lot of buzz about chat commerce in 2016. Um, but I, uh, from my perspective, I think it was entirely just buzz and chatter and not, uh, a lot of, uh, commercial success. And so I, I would, uh, being a harsh grader, I'm, I'm going to give that one a miss. Mm, you're tough. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you disagree? No, I agree. I think there was a lot of, a lot of noise, not a lot of substance. Yep. Uh, but I, I think uh, that that's really your, your only sort of uphill um, because your next tradition was that Amazon will make some big moves in logistics. And I, I think that that one is, uh, has very clearly happened with Amazon acquiring um, their, their own commercial airlines and, and uh, doing quite a bit more of their own delivery um, and all the all the one hour delivery themselves. So, I think I think that one is a a, a clear hit. Yay! 
Um, and then uh, the next one's easiest to judge of all of these. Uh, your third prediction is that Jet will prove the naysayers wrong and get acquired. Uh, I think I think that's 100% what happened. The naysayers are all in the corner, and uh, uh, the Jet team is, is uh, happily uh, working out of Bentonville, Arkansas for Walmart now. Yeah, I, I got... I'm glad I didn't put a number on this because I would have never predicted the number they got. So they exceeded my expectations even on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, I think that is one of the big news stories uh, or commerce news stories of 2016 is, is that jet acquisition. So then your fourth prediction is that Google will make a bold move this year in e-commerce that surprises everyone. And I not sure that that happened. Um, maybe the surprise was that Google didn't do a lot in e-commerce this year. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed there. You know, they um, the couple things I would say that kind of are in here, but I, I wouldn't give myself a, an A on this one. Uh, so Google Express kind of going more nationwide um, is, I think, their attempt to to be more uh, you know, bold. <laughs> But it's kind of you know very small compared to all the other stuff in Amazon's momentum. Uh, and then you know they they did have the Echo competitor and um, the the Pixel phone. I think is going to have some you know this this agent on there is pretty interesting. And, and like Echo, it has some e-commerce implications, but definitely not the 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 force the main idea of the the tentpole of the concept. So yeah. Yeah, yep. I'm going to score myself in Google low on that one. Yep, and I, I, I mean, I considered all of those things. I would also say that they uh, evolved some of their commerce-oriented advertising products um, and some of, some of their, their PLAs and, and certainly the prominence of, of those ads in the organic search results. But I, like, I, I think, to your point, most of what Google did this year was more laying the foundation for, for commerce than – than something I would really characterize as a as a bold move. Yeah, when I wrote this one, I was thinking that they would get more aggressive with this buy on Google stuff, and um, you know, it just really doesn't seem to be something that's a huge focus for them. So I'm yeah. super bumped. All right, uh, so e-commerce is lost. Yes, uh, we shall see. There's always the next year. Um, so then, the your fifth and final prediction was that Alibaba's attempt to bring Singles Day to the U.S. will fail. And I'm I'm giving that one a a, a complete success. I, the only caveat I would say there is, I think I was surprised and and sort of implied in your prediction. You you were surprised that it doesn't even seem like Alibaba tried to bring it to the U.S. Um, the year before they really, uh, you know, Jack Ma really like sort of hinted that this was going to be the year he brought it to the U.S. Um, and you predicted that wasn't going to work very well. And and you know uh, as it played out, like we really didn't see very significant attempts. Yeah, and the um, you know uh, they, they've done a lot behind the scenes. So they've got a new guy. They recruited a guy out of Goldman Sachs to run kind of the U.S. for them, and they've been really ramping up the team. Um, and um, we've known about this just because they're a partner. Uh, and then I just saw some news articles kind of come out, so I feel fine saying this that you know they're they're really kind of on a they're ramping up this New York team, growing it pretty large to be pretty big. Uh, a lot of it is this cross-border trade and, and trying to get singles day. So I, I think they're going to make a bigger attempt this year. It just took them a while to get the infrastructure in place. Yeah. Um, so wrapping that all up, that's a strong three out of five. Cool. Thanks. I'll take a uh, gentleman 60 any, any, any day of the week. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, predictions are, are historically very hard. So I'll, I'll, I think three out of five is a win. 
Cool. And let's uh, let's look at yours. So your first one uh, was pretty clairvoyant. So CPGs and grocery will make major moves into direct to commerce, direct to consumer e-commerce. Um, you nailed the CPG. So I think the the hallmark of this one was the Unilever acquisition of Dollar Shave Club uh, for over a billion dollars. So so I think that checks the box. Um, grocery, you know, I, you follow it a little closer than I do. I, I just I haven't seen a ton of movement there. It seems like they're pretty glacier. Um, I would say the big news in grocery was all the Amazon stuff that we have at kind of towards the end of the year with the the, the new store and some of these. You know, they seem to have these three formats that they're they're launching here: the um, the no checkout kind of format, uh, which is Go, and then the Project X, which we don't know what that one is, but it looks like a store you go into, and then the other one that's more of a drive up store. So it's going to be be interesting to see what happens happens there. So Amazon kind of had a little bit more in the grocery, but I'll, I'll give you this one because I think you really nailed the CPG piece. Thanks, man. I uh, I definitely agree with you. Dollar Shave Club was the big one. Um, there were a few other little ones. We definitely saw like uh, uh, Mondelez and Procter & Gamble um, sort of bolster their their teams with with experienced e-commerce people, one of one of which we, we had on the show, Neil from, mm-hmm. from Mondelez. Um, and then on the grocery, we did see Kroger, which is the largest grocery store in the U.S., roll out buy online, pick up in store nationally. Walmart, you know, greatly expanded their their grocery. So I, you know, uh, true. if I just said grocery alone, I agree it would have been a little gray. But I think combination of CPG and grocery, I, I'm taking it too. Yeah. Uh, side note: I've over the holiday I tried the Walmart uh, stuff, and it is so confusing. There's two pickup areas that you park in. And one of them you go and you press this button and I had like the most confusing interaction. They're like, did you buy, I couldn't understand what they were saying. They were like, did you do like this or that? I was like, I I did an online order. And they're like, no, I need to know if it's this or that. And I was like, it was some groceries. And they're like, oh, you're in the wrong place. It it was like the most confusing BOPUS experience I've ever had. (laughs) I ultimately had to go inside and, and, you know, that whole kind of rigor and world. So, yeah, I think there's lots of work still to be done. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but it's uh, it's hard for me to figure yeah, it out for some you, reason. As the user, you are doing nothing wrong. <laughs> it's up to the cool. retailer to get that right. The um, you know one that was interesting is Honest Company uh, kind of stubbed their toe, so a lot of people thought they were going to be acquired, and they ended up not being acquired. So that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think acquisitions uh, in the space is going to be an interesting thing to talk about for this year. Yeah. Cool. On the second one, uh, you titled it Reorgs. Retailers will get rid of standalone e-commerce departments and integrate e-commerce into core business functions. Brands will do the opposite and establish new e-commerce departments. Um, I think if we look back on the guests we've had and you kind of put them into two buckets of retailers and brands, meaning more branded manufacturers – I would say everyone we talked to um, really checked this box. So, you know, uh, we've seen the traditional VP of e-commerce or the C-level exec in charge of e-commerce melt away. Most of those guys have moved into the CMO or the CXO kind of a role. Um, and then, uh, you know, and even then we were seeing them actually leave again after that kind of promotion. Like Target, for example, has seen this whole thing kind of accelerate on them very rapidly where they, they promoted and integrated everyone, and then a lot of them left, and and uh, so so that's there's been a lot of 
you know, upheaval as you kind of predicted in that side. And then in brands, uh, it's very much the flavor of the day for brands to get very aggressive. They're hiring people out of retail to run these e-commerce departments. Uh, and, you know, we even talked to, you know, candy manufacturers, you know, 150 year old candy manufacturers who are looking at this. So, so I think you nailed that one too. Nice. So strong start, but let's see where we go. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, the mobile gap will narrow to be at least half of desktop conversions. Wah, 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 wah. <sighs> I'm going to have to call this one a big goose egg. I'm sorry. But uh, you know, as you and I love to debate, um, this gap is still there. It's, it's, it's narrowing, but ever so closely. It's down from kind of a third to you know a fourth uh, let's see it. Yeah, fourth to kind of a third. It's not really the half, not not half at this point. Still, no, I I totally agree. Uh, uh, you know, I, I look like for sure the industry averages aren't getting close. They're they're still at the third. And you know, I can point to a, a few retailers over holiday that get like fifty percent of their revenue from mobile, um, but definitely not uh, for for an entire year, and definitely not like consistently. Yeah, I think you know. We've seen Apple Pay and some of this stuff. I, the, I think the experience just has to. We have to get off the desktop metaphor experience for it to work. And you know, the the little pinhole light at the end of the tunnel here for you is in China. They're definitely seeing it, right? So if you look at the Alibaba numbers, they've kind of gotten there. And I think it is because they have a more integrated experience. Yep, and the and the wallet you mentioned, like much more ubiquitous digital wallets there, which is a big part of it. Yep. Okay, uh, number four, a major retailer will get sold in distress. Uh, and you listed some examples like Macy's, Sears, Nine West, J. Crew, Bonton, Neiman Marcus. I'm not sure. So sold is a little tricky because I think um, the biggest retailer that we saw kind of uh, have distress in 16 was Sports Authority. I guess they technically got sold. Uh, I, I'll probably give you that one because there were, you know, we, we saw several other large, you know, more than 100 store kind of retailers go out of business. Uh, none of them got sold specifically, though. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I, I at best would give myself half credit. Like, I, I foolishly named some retailers and none of them uh, went, although I would argue some of them are, are closer than ever to death store. And, and to your point, like, there were some big, big uh, failures this year, Sports Authority, PacSun, Aris Ball, American Apparel, but but uh, none of, none of them were really like acquired by another retailer. They were liquidated. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you half on that. So uh, so at this point, you're at two and a half, uh, and then your fifth and final prediction was 2016 will be the year of the cloud for e-commerce platforms. Cloud products like Shopify and Big Commerce will continue to grow and even get more enterprise clients. Niche niche solutions like Cloud Craze which runs on force.com will get traction and SAP, IBM and Oracle will work hard to solidify their e-commerce cloud offerings. Uh, so let's see, I think big commerce and Shopify both had good years. So I'll check those. I think, uh, this is a nuanced answer and you didn't hundred percent nail this. So the company that was most aggressive here was actually salesforce.com, um, which is probably bad news for cloud craze because <laughs> they were the de facto 
kind of incumbent there and you know salesforce acquired demandware which which kind of if your cloud craze is not great news because they're gonna put all their guns kind of blazing on selling that um but i do think you know thematically you were right here where these big big kind of software guys are getting way more serious about the cloud and uh you know i think that acquisition puts a pretty good stamp on on that prediction so i'll, I'll give you that one cool thanks so uh, to recap, uh, I had three out of five, and you had three point five out of five. So I think uh, you're going to win uh, for 2016. You get the um, golden turkey or whatever we we need to come up with some kind of a fun award uh, as the Swami for 2016. Uh, I I am honored and thrilled, and I, I will uh, keep it in a place of honor for a year, and uh, we'll we'll have to do battle next January to see see if I get to keep it. Yeah, yeah. Stay tuned, listeners, because uh, you will see how this turns out in a year from today. Uh, that'll probably be what episode. So if we we started episode eight, sixty-three minutes. Eight, so that'll be episode one hundred and fourteen. Is when you'll be able to to find the results of this. Very impressive. You're breaking one of my cardinal rules, which is never do math in public. <laughs> it was more of a prediction than math. Uh, okay, so that puts a bow on 2016, so let's stop looking back, and it's time to start gazing forward and get out the crystal ball. Um, are you ready? Do you have your crystal ball? Are you looking at your tea leaves and uh, whatever other predictive kinds of things you do? Uh, I have, have done all of those things. I'm a little wired on Turkish coffee because I've been trying to read the coffee grounds, and uh, uh, I, I feel that the 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 um, Chi of the e-commerce world has spoken to me, and I'm I'm quite confident that I know exactly what's going to happen next year. Namaste. Uh, okay, so last year I went first, uh, and you're the reigning champion, so it's only fitting for you to go first. So let's hear your predictions. Jason's, and this is the first time that anyone's hearing these, if I'm correct. You haven't tweeted them or anything, have you? I, I have not. I, I made right. them up seconds ago. So. Jason and Scott exclusive right here, folks. Brrr. Jason, Retail Geeks, predictions for 2017. Yeah. Uh, so my first one is uh, that retailers are going to truly embrace omnichannel. And a bunch of listeners would probably be saying, what? Like, we've been talking about omnichannel for the last four or five years that's, that seems like a rear view mirror uh, prediction. Um, but what I think is going to happen this year that uh, people are talking about a lot less, um, retailers have been doing sort of fake omni-channel for the last couple of years and really focusing on making it look like an omni-channel experience to the end consumer without actually fixing any of their infrastructure. So they... They have buy online, pick up in store, but it's through some arduous process. And and you yourself, you know, uh, earlier talked about some of your your problems at Walmart, which were clearly um, the result of some sort of broken processes. So I I think this is going to be the year that retailers uh, finally get some of the back of house things that are super important for omni channel, right? And and the big one that I think is going to be a game changer is attribution. So. Um, up till now, most retailers have really looked at the e-commerce P&L very separately from the retail P&L. And they've all gone good at talking to the analysts and investors and shareholders about omni-channel and, and, and how you know those omni-channel sh- shoppers are more valuable and blah, blah, blah. But behind the scenes, they all act like they're trying to move the needle on their own P&L. Um, and I think this is the year that uh, we're going to see a number of retailers embrace a, a true... Um, omni-channel attribution model. And part of that is 
you know, the thing we talked about last year, some of those those e-commerce titles going away and blending back into the core retail enterprise. Um, I think that the tools for for uh, attributing revenue are getting much better and particularly identifying the transactions in store are getting better. Um, I think this is a year that retailers are going to get really serious about getting inventory accuracy right and visibility for inventory across their whole enterprise. Uh, most retailers that talk at omni-channel games still ha- are very siloed for promotions. And so I think this is the year we'll see omni-channel promotions. And the majority of retailers still have disparate pricing online and offline. And I think this is the year we're, we're going to see a bunch of retailers uh, embrace universal pricing. Who's that retailer that had the closed stores? Uh, oh, it was uh, GNC. Did you see that? Yeah. It was over like the, you know, the week before Christmas, like prime shopping, they had to close the stores. Yeah, that's not optimal. Yeah, that's uh, that seemed bad. Exactly. Um, so so prediction you'll probably only see here, uh, 2017 is the year of Omnichannel. Uh, my, my second prediction because it's obligatory when you do predictions to have an artificial intelligence prediction. Um, but I almost might call this a negative prediction. So um, I think we're going to see artificial intelligence, particularly in the form of bots, become prevalent for customer service. And we're going to see lots of consumers getting used to getting their customer service for orders and returns and things like that uh, processed via these natural language bots. Um, but I, I don't think uh, this is going to be the year of chat commerce. I don't think we're going to see bots uh, go mainstream for transactions. Um, there's tons of buzz about artificial intelligence for big data in retail and personalization and stuff like that. And I, I don't. I think we're going to see a lot more buzz about those things. But I don't think we're going to see artificial intelligence offering any game changing new customer experiences for this year. I think it's going to be a lot of the the sort of novelty things where where Watson is replacing a previous. Um, recommendations engine and and you know it'll it'll be debatable whether it's better or not. Okay. Um. So my third prediction is uh another one that that uh, I think is likely going to be pretty common, but I have my own nuance on it. I I think this is going to be the year of personalization, but not in the way that most people expect. Um. So I I think there's a ton of friction in shopping experiences because retailers are not very good at using what they already know about us. Um. And I think this is going to be the year that retailers do a much better job of plumbing all their disparate databases together, um, to eliminate some of that friction. And so uh, when I buy a, a when I put something in my cart from Williams-Sonoma and buy it in the store and they collect my email address in the store, uh, right now they, they keep remarketing to me and telling me that I should buy what's in my cart. And I, I think this is the year that they they plug in that 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 POS email capture to their, their digital marketing email capture and, and uh, stop stop sending me those emails and, and uh, really sort of aggregate what, what they know about me. Um, but I don't think um, this is going to be the year that, like, the e-commerce shopping experience dramatically changes with some new prescient, uh, personalized, uh, homepage that's, that's completely unique to me and that, you know, uh, that that's dramatically new. And so the, the way I talk about it is personalization is going to be big, but it's not going to be because there's some new product that wins in the personalization space that enables some new experience. It's going to be, um, block and tackling data integration behind the scenes that enables all the experiences we already have to to be a little better by leveraging what they already know. 
Hmm. Could that be confusing enough? No, I get it. Cool. Uh, So then uh, prediction number four, um, I think there's some laggard categories in terms of their digital maturity, and I think this is going to be the year that they all discover digital. Um, So we last year we talked a little bit about CPG. This year I think is definitely going to be the year that grocery discovers digital. Um, whether that means every grocery retailer is selling um, the most the majority of their goods online, I, I sort of doubt. But but grocery stores are no grocery store really tells you what they even have in stock or what products they carry. And I think uh, table stakes for grocery is going to be to have great digital merchandising and enable people to pre shop. And so as a result, you know I think grocery has a ton of catch up to do. Um, this is, I think is going to be the year of luxury for a long time. The luxury guys really resisted digital and, you know, they felt like, like, uh, you can only appreciate luxury in the dressing room. You can't appreciate it on the website. So we don't even want people shopping on the website. You know, they're all throwing away those old, um, sacred cows and, and starting to hire digital experts and try to, you know, launch major e-commerce initiatives. And then I think the quick serve restaurant industry, all those fast food guys, um, driven by, you know, what, the the Amazon of of restaurants, which is Starbucks, um, I think the customer expectation expectations at Starbucks are going to dramatically change the customer experience that the 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 rest of the quick service restaurant industry has to has to deliver. So I think those guys are all going to catch up. So for digital consultants like me, uh, I think that grocery, luxury, and QSR are going to be be fruitful territory this year. Mm, okay, and then my my fifth prediction. Um, is uh, building on last year we talked about cloud being the big thing in platforms. I think the big thing in e-commerce platforms this year is going to be microservices. And so this is going to be, instead of uh, getting a monolithic platform from a particular vendor, is getting a, a set of APIs that you can sort of uh, pick and choose amongst and use um, remix in your own way and um, have have much more flexibility and, and uh customization option. And so I think a lot of this commerce is going to become um, a service as opposed to a a perpetual license shrunk wrap product. And so I think uh, we'll see some new vendors emerge that specialize in providing micro uh, service commerce solutions. I think we'll see the the big vendors start to shift their offering and their pricing models to sell based on these these microservice offerings. Um, And I do think will build on the success last year. I think all the, the big e-commerce platform vendors kind of shifted their sales model to be cloud first. So they're from a sales standpoint, they're talking about the cloud version of their product. I think this will be the year that more than half of all new implementations for all those platforms will be the cloud version. So, so it's the year of microservices. And then, um, Scott, we didn't talk about this, but I'm throwing in a foolish bonus sixth, uh, forecast, which I think is the most risky, um, mm. But I actually think that 2017 has a good chance to be the year of digital wallets in North America. So we talked about how successful Alibaba is with digital, uh, with mobile rather, uh, largely as a result of things like Alipay um, in Asia. Um, and I, I think uh, that as a result of uh, Apple Pay like getting embedded in the browser and uh, Android catching up. Um, you know, I think this is going to be the year that we're going to see much better adoption of digital wallets. And I, I hope we see some wallet other than PayPal and Amazon get 10% of the, the non-Amazon market share this year. Okay. I like that you gave a bonus. So that's like, uh, uh, you know, 
15% extra uh, value for our listeners, which is great. So let me see. Let me recap yours for you. So number one, true embracing of omni-channel. Uh, number two, bots for customer service, but not transactions. Uh, number three, personalization, um, more friction elimination and not driving demand. Number four, laggard categories will discover digital. What was QSR again? Uh, quick serve restaurant. Quick serve restaurant. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, microservices, uh, and then digital wallets. So let's see my reaction to those. So I like the microservices and I think that's really cool. My concern there is, you know, when you look at retailers and these brands, they're, they're very far behind the technology world. Um, so I'm just not, I'm, I'm not sure how many of them, you know, and we see this at channel advisor where they struggle to generate a, uh, a CSV that has their product data, you know? <laughs> so, so I, from my, the computer scientist in me loves these microservices and this ability to kind of say, you know, just like a cloud service like AWS to kind of say, here's this Chinese menu of cool APIs. Let me go nibble it. You know, this cart piece, this thing and that, uh, I like the idea of it. And I think it's the way to go. I, I just, it's, you know, it, I think retailers and brands are going to struggle to be able to consume that. So that, that'll be interesting to see how, how that plays out. Um, the digital wallet one's pretty brave. I think, you know, that'll be interesting to watch it. Do you have, are you going to call anyone that you think's a, a possible winner there that, that makes you feel that brazen or you're, you're going to keep your lips sealed on that? Yeah. Well, so if I had to guess right now, um, a, this, this may be the wishful thinking prediction. I, you know, last year I, I, I said we'd solve the mobile gap and we didn't, and I'm, I'm not brave enough to double down on that one, but I, I do, I do sort of feel that the, the big pain point in mobile is payment. Um, and so I think, you know, that, uh, instead of saying we're going to solve the mobile gap, I'm going to narrow it down and say, we're going to solve some of the payment friction. Um, and I think the way we solve it may be less about there being a single vendor that, that comes in and solves it for everyone. Um, everyone doesn't need to use the same digital wallet. They all just need to use a digital wallet that's universally accepted. And so, you know, whether that's, you know, some people embracing the, the new offerings from the banks like Chase and some people embracing their, their, uh, OS platform solutions like Apple and, and, um, uh, Android, uh, I, I think a dark horse here is like security continues to be a, a huge mainstream issue. We seem still see lots of hacks and, and the whole notion of passwords that everyone's using is like a really flawed security model. Um, and that opens the door for these, these password managers. And a, a lot of the password managers are actually de facto digital wallets. Um, and so I think, you know, we'll see more, more people storing their payment credentials in those things. Um, but if I had to pick one, I would say that there's a, a part of the HTML standard that's that's getting uh, um, sort of revved right now is payment secure payment technology built into the browser, and so this is storing your your credentials locally on your device um, and having a, a open secure standard to pass a token to an e-commerce site, and so I um, I think. Uh, that that's already been deployed in, in Chrome, and I think it's on the roadmap for for Internet Explorer and and Safari. So um, it, it it may just be innate features of the browser that that uh, that you know act as our digital wallet. But um, I'm I'm eager for the payment problem to get solved one way or another. Cool. I haven't heard of that. Does it have an official name? It does, and uh, I still have a little bit of holiday uh, fog in me, so I, I can't remember what the official name is, but I'll, I'll put a link to some of the working papers uh, in the show notes. Okay, cool. Learn something uh, every podcast. Boom, we can, we can go ahead and stop now. 
Awesome. So just kidding. <laughs> uh, so Scott, what what uh, do you think is going to happen in in uh, 2017? Okay, here's my five. So um, the as an avid reader of Wall Street Journal and a CNBC junkie, there's all this talk about IPOs window opening in 2017, and, and we're having kind of a bit of a uh, post election kind of bull rally here. Um, and there's a lot of talk about e commerce IPOs kind of associated with that. And some of the names that that, that I've read out there are Chewy.com, which is a pet-oriented retailer, which is evidently kind of you know snuck up on everyone and has over a billion and a half in online sales, which is pretty impressive. Um, Stitch Fix, Casper, which is the mattress direct-to-consumer um, kind of DNVB uh, company. Birchbox, which is a subscription company for um, makeup uh, and women's items, accessories. Uh, Blue Apron, which is subscription for food, and then Honest. So, so those are kind of the ones that seem to be at a scale and growth rate that, that are mentioned in kind of the IPO conversations. Um, so my prediction is there's going to be a lot of talk about this, and the IPO market will open. But I think what's going to happen is that e-commerce companies are going to get crowded out, and it's going to be those big tech, what they call unicorns, which means they have well north of a – now the new new unicorns are Deca unicorns. They have north of a $10 billion kind of valuation. Um, when, you, when you have that kind of valuation and that you raise that kind of money, eventually you'll have to go public. So, so I think uh, companies like Uber, Snap, which is the new name of Snapchat, Pinterest, Airbnb, Spotify, some of these guys are going to have you know, um, you know, revenues that are well north of many billions, several billions, uh, and you know, growth rates well north of 100%, and margins that are just much more attractive than any of these e-commerce kind of or digital native brands. So, so that, that's my prediction is we're going to – there will be a lot of IPO talk around e-commerce, but I don't think any of those companies are going to make it out this year. That doesn't mean they're bad companies or anything like that. I just think that when the investment bankers kind of line up what's out there, uh, these other companies are just going to be uh, uh, you know, a, a quartile ahead of, of the ones I mentioned. So that's number one. Um, I feel obligated in my second one to make an Amazon prediction. And kind of looking at my prediction last year, I talked about logistics. So, um, and, you know, we just to kind of recap, there was a lot of noise around that. Um, so there was, uh, they have over 100 fulfillment centers. There's uh, uh, this new personal delivery network called Flex that they're using for Prime. They started doing that for Prime now. Uh, and now you're starting to see them actually do, I think during the holiday, they surged and used that just right out of their fulfillment centers to, to kind of help alleviate the bottlenecks at UPS and FedEx. Uh, they started the year kind of talking about 20 planes and then quickly scaled to 40. There's this dragon boat thing. Um, within the ecosystem of Amazon, we're also seeing this rapid change where we went from sellers kind of um, you know having hyper competition in 2016 and then brands going direct. And now there's just like a ton of direct supply coming from China. And Amazon seems to have really figured out that supply chain in a way that even Alibaba and those kind of guys haven't going this way. So it's China to us. Um, so all that said, uh, there is some news that came out kind of quietly during the holiday. I don't think anyone has seen this. I'm curious to see if you saw it in, in India this week, Amazon, uh, announced what they're calling P 2 P selling. So the way it works is, um, you have something to sell to somebody. Um, you, you, 
you list it um, on Amazon, it sells, they actually come to you, they get the package and they deliver it, uh, they courier it to the, the, the buyer. So that's a way different experience uh, than anything else out there. Uh, I do think that Amazon has aspirations that they're, you know, part of their playbook is to invest in all this logistics and then ultimately uh, open it up to third parties or, or to anybody. So, so that's really my prediction is um, we're, we're, you know, I think, 2016 was the back end kind of of logistics, uh, and I think this year we're actually going to see them start to offer services that you would normally get from FedEx and UPS. So actually coming to your house and picking stuff up. Now, initially, I think it's going to be things that are for sale on an individual layer level, kind of like a Craigslist and, and eBay kind of um, you know cleaning out the closet kind of a thing. Um, but I think that's just a very short hop away from them saying, hey, Jason, we're already at your house to pick up this you know, second generation drone and you're already on the fifth generation that you sold on the Amazon marketplace. Are there any packages you'd like to ship to your, your aunt Mildred that we can go ahead and pick up to you uh, and, and deliver those for three bucks a pop because we're here anyway. So uh, I know that's a long one, but that's, that's kind of where I'm going on Amazon. Uh, my third prediction is also in the AI bucket, and uh, I think AI is becoming kind of a useless term. So I, I'm, I'm using more machine learning. Um, there's, it uh, seems like every venture capitalist in the Bay Area has has turned their sights on this. Um, in 2016, we were all surprised when uh, Jeff Bezos kind of announced at a conference that they have over a thousand people working on machine learning um, and and AI and and they, they kind of that probably includes cognitive too. So I'm just looking at this one slice that I think of as machine learning, and you know when in, in these in models that are have a lot of data. Uh, there's a new network effect. Uh, and I'll explain to this if we have time what, what that means. So the traditional network effect was uh, like a marketplace like eBay you or, or Amazon. You get buyers, and that brings more sellers and buyers and sellers. And it creates this network effect where it reinforces. Uh, and it, that, that creates a competitive moat because it's very hard to unwind that network effect. It's very hard to peel those sellers off of eBay, uh, et cetera. Um, so – so what I think we're going to have is because e-commerce is so data rich, I think there's some really good applications for machine learning. And I think every vendor out there is going to uh, you know, have to really adapt this as part of their solution. And it's going to be pretty material improvements to these things. Um, so, so everything from the carts to how you do images to upsells, recommendations. You mentioned personalization. I think that's ripe for this. Um, and what I think we can see is we've seen very small improvements in these kinds of conversion rates from these kinds of solutions. And I, I think we're going to see some pretty interesting breakthroughs here because I, I do um, over in uh, another business uh, that I have called, which is on-demand car washing, we're, we're using some of the cloud-based stuff for this. And it's pretty amazing uh, what it can do. Uh, and to your microservices point, a lot of this is available in microservices, which is makes it more digestible. You don't have to have a team of 100 uh, you know, AI gurus. So, so that's, that's my, my prediction is it's going to be the year where machine learning kind of meets e-commerce and the output of that is going to be some really interesting things that, that increase conversion rates, decrease cart abandonment and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was number three. Uh, number four is kind of a macro theme. Um, so e-commerce has been going at 15%. And to be honest with you, that's getting kind of boring. So, so <laughs> you know, the, the dust hasn't settled on 16 yet. But I think what we'll see, um, and this is kind of contrary to our guest from Adobe, where she was, you know, they were talking about slowdown. And I looked before the podcast, and they kind of said holiday came in at 10%. I, I think 
my my guess is even though she contradicted this, I don't think they're seeing Amazon in there or something. They're they're not seeing, you know, Amazon, Walmart, some of the things I think that are are way over in indexing on that. Um, and those guys are getting big enough that they can kind of, you know, if, I'm sure you've seen all the charts that have out, of, you know, that they they're taking 50% of share, Amazon is, etc. So so I think what we're going to see is we you add up some of these things and the ones you've predicted too. Um, and maybe this is my wishful prediction. I, I think we're going to see e-commerce re- be reported uh, on 16 to be a little bit higher in the teens. And I think in 17, we could see this kind of crank up to, you know, getting up to 20% year over year growth. Um, uh, kind of along with that, a little footnote, this isn't one of my, my set predictions, but, you know, I think the, there are a lot of, to your 16 prediction, you kind of missed, uh, you, we only gave you half credit for, I think there are a lot of retailers just tottering on that cliff. Uh, and as those stores close, uh, it's going to just drive more and more business online. So, so I think that's probably going to be the biggest driver. Um, my fifth prediction, uh, is around one of my favorite companies, eBay. Um, you know, I think they've got a lot of great things going on. The new management teams, uh, this will be their, their third year now. Uh, and I think it's a do or die year for eBay. I think, you know, they've had this kind of middling kind of 5% growth of their marketplace, which isn't terrible, but it's not great. Um, especially when you kind of have e-commerce at 15 and, uh, Amazon at 30% growth. Um, you have a lot of great initiatives, but, but I worry that those initiatives are just going to get swamped from the the incoming tide from Amazon's ascendancy. Uh, and then also, you know, to your omni-channel point, uh, a lot of retailers are getting really good at e-commerce. Uh, so, you know, over the holiday, I had some really good experiences with Nordstrom's. Um, I had a good Macy's omni-channel experience where, you know, tried to get my wife some slippers. They weren't available and they shipped them from a store in Alabama and they actually came in a day and stuff, you know. So, so there's starting to be some good experiences there, with, which, you know, isn't something that you could replicate on an eBay. Um, uh, also, Walmart, uh, we don't talk as much about them in that context, but they are doing really well online, uh, as best I can tell. And, and with the new acquisition of Jet, I think that's going to be interesting. Um, so in that same vein of, of, of eBay, uh, so my main prediction is just kind of eBay is going to have a tough year. And um, you know, I, I kind of a sub kind of theme on that is I don't really see Google or Facebook or even Apple really doing anything bold to slow Amazon's momentum, unfortunately. So I'm kind of reversing my thought of last year with Google. Uh, I've learned my lesson there. Um, but I do think Walmart will double down. Um, and then an, another kind of um, part of this one, I'll, I'll hold off on that. So so that, that's kind of that one. So it, it's do or die. Uh, so I'll go ahead and say it. So I, I do think if you kind of think about what's going on with Amazon, and I mentioned that China trend, um, if I'm Alibaba, that's really concerning to me because I should own that and I don't. Um, so I think that could be a driver for Alibaba to acquire eBay. So I think I kind of add all that up and you know I see all this kind of growth of Alibaba's New York presence. And it seems like a good outcome for eBay and Alibaba would be a combination to kind of have a viable kind of competitive alternative to this Amazon China pipeline to the U.S. Um, So since you did six, I'm going to do one and I'm going to Yours was pretty risky. I'm going to go crazy risky. Um, And I hope you're sitting down for this one, Jason. So uh, and I know you'll appreciate this as the only other human being uh, out there that has an Amazon Fire Phone. So my last and bonus prediction is I think Amazon will take another shot at a phone. Uh, And here's my reasoning why. 
Uh, it comes from just personal experience, and um, I'm a I'm a big uh, Echo Alexa user, as I know you are too. What you know, I'm so used to that now, and it's so integrated into my home and work life. Um, when I'm out and about, I miss Alexa, um, and I say that in a in a honest kind of not a creepy way. Um, so, like you know, you're in your car, and um, I've actually hacked this in my Tesla. It's a non-trivial thing. It's good for long trips, but it's not good for my commute. Um, and sometimes you just want to say, "Hey, you know, uh, hey, call Jason," or you know, uh, and none of the voice stuff out there even comes close to that experience. Siri is so bad, I've turned it off. Uh, you know, I, I haven't. I have the Google one, but it, it just really isn't nearly as good. So imagine an Amazon phone that anchored around that, you know, had even a next generation around that kind of assistant kind of a thing. And it was easy to integrate in your car and it had Amazon music. Um, I think what they missed with the fire is they went all in on that 3D kind of thing. And that wasn't super useful in any way. Um, so I think that could be a really big differentiator in a phone, uh, especially if they could solve the battery problem you know, and it wasn't like a tap where you had to press a button. Um, and Google seems to have done that with, with the, the Pixel. So those are my predictions, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Wow, very cool. So a uh, quick recap, make sure I got them all right. Um, uh, number one, uh, uh, 2017 is going to be a good IPO year, um, but the the e-commerce guys are probably going to miss out on that because they're not going to quite be big enough. Um, number two, uh, Amazon is going to uh, have a new offering in the logistics space. Uh, number three, uh, machine learning is going to be uh, real and, and offer some some uh, uh, competitive advantage for for the products that that implement it. Um, number four, e the rate of e-commerce growth is going to accelerate, um, which by the way, like flies in the face of most of the traditional, um, forecasts. So I like that, that one a lot. Um, number five, uh, it's a do or die year from eBay. I'm not sure you totally predicted which they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't think they'll die. I just think that they will, will um, you know, I think they'll see further erosion in their business, which will drive them into the welcome arms of Alibaba. Yep. There, there's some tax implication of their split with PayPal. There's these tax rules that you have to um, to make that a tran tax trans uh, tax free um, split. There's some cool off period, and that's could be the fly in the ointment on that acquisition prediction because I think we may be uh, still inside of that. Maybe towards the end of seventeen, we could get there. We'll see. Gotcha. Um, eBay gets into bed one way or another with Alibaba. And then uh, uh, number six, uh, the Amazon Fire Phone version two. Um, so, A, I, I love the thinking behind all of those. Um, I, I certainly uh, agree with you um, on the IPOs and, and uh, some defer to your financial market expertise. Um, the, the Amazon one, uh, like certainly, you know, there, there's all the, the makings for them having logistics product. Like I feel like the one, the one thing arguing against it is Amazon, you know, is very loudly denying that they're, they're going to get into that space, but they're, you know, famous for not sharing their plans ahead of time. So I, I don't put any stock in that. And I, uh, what's interesting in your description is a lot of what you're describing as part of the unique value prop of an Amazon logistics offering could be the reverse logistics. Um, and I, I think like you, you talk a lot about like Amazon competing with FedEx and, and UPS, but I would argue that FedEx and UPS actually aren't very good at, at reverse logistics. 
and that the cost in the commerce industry for reverse logistics are are overwhelming like right now. There's a ton of friction. Returns really, you know, is a huge problem. And if Amazon really came out with a good offering in reverse logistics, you know, that that could be interesting for for peer to peer selling, but it could also, you know, be really interesting uh, alternative for all the retailers that are forced to offer free returns, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that that one is really interesting to me. Uh, the machine learning one, I, uh, I, I also think is interesting. Like, obviously, like all the vendors are already talking about it, and so you know what what it's going to come down to is whether we see the real value or not. And one of the things that's that's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of this new technology has a democratization effect, right? Like it 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 makes things that were available to the biggest operators in the industry available more broadly to startups and, and smaller operators. And so it, it, it somewhat like it, it has this effect of eroding the moat um, on a lot of the, the market leaders. Um, but machine learning has a potential to go the other way. Like in uh, when we get good at machine learning, what who wins is, is uh, the, the people that have the most data. And uh, I would argue that so far, the biggest players that have the most data has have almost been at a disadvantage because they have all of this this extra weight and expense of managing the data, and they really haven't been able to do very much with it. And so, um, if if it really proves out that you can create much better customer experiences through machine learning, um, I think you know that that potentially is bad news for a lot of the smaller players that don't have near the the scale of data that the Amazons and Walmarts of the world have. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I agree. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see play out. Uh, I, I would, you know, I certainly am rooting for your, your e-commerce growth prediction. Um, I feel like if, if you just think of e-commerce as the, the same players we have now sort of, you know, uh, doing more of what they've been doing, it's, it's hard to see how you get to that, that 20%, you know, um, like most of the growth we've seen so far has been like new consumers coming in the market that didn't do e-commerce last year and did this year for the first year. Um, and I feel like we've hit this, that, you know, that, that, the rate of new, new e-commerce shoppers coming in the market is, is slowing considerably. So I, I would worry about it from that standpoint. But, um, if we go back to one of my predictions and we talk about these categories where, where, not significant amount of people are buying. If e-commerce becomes big for grocery, if e-commerce becomes big for for food purchases, those are big chunks of retail um, that are untapped. And so I think if if those things catch on, it would be totally possible to see these accelerated growth rates. And to your point, like we could see Sears close this year, and you know that's forty billion dollars worth of consumer spending that's going to go somewhere. And uh, mm-hmm. you like obviously a you know a big chunk of that would go online. Um, and if Sears closes, then those Macy's that are in the Sears will close in the malls and then that whole mall closes and, you know, yeah, there's a whole huge, huge domino effect there. Absolutely. Um, and so that, that's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't think it's like, clearly I don't want to diverge into Sears too much. It may or may not be 2017, but they're going to be trending in that direction. Yep. Um, and so then the the eBay one is going to be interesting to see play out. Like I would agree. Like I, I would. Th- I, it feels like their traditional place in the in the ecosystem is eroding. You talk to a lot of sellers, and nobody wants to be single sourced on Amazon. And so they all want to be on other marketplaces. And I, I hear more and more sellers talking about Walmart being their their second marketplace, whereas a few years ago it would have been a no brainer that that eBay was. Um, and so I think you know that's going to be a challenge for eBay to find 
find a, a new value prop, a place to win in the market, and and uh, I'll sure be interested to see how that that plays out with Alibaba. Um, and then uh, the phone again. Uh, if Amazon puts it out, I will buy it. Uh, I I totally agree. You know, Amazon talks a big game about um, encouraging failure and uh, not being afraid to try things. And part of that means like when you don't have a successful product, you don't just you know crawl crawl into your home and die. Um, you you figure out what what you got wrong and relaunch it. And and uh, to your your point, the the Alexa is you know. Uh, as as my device in my my room just turned on, um, <laughs> the the Echo is uh, definitely growing beyond hardware, right? And one thing neither of us talked about this year that would have been an interesting prediction is, uh, you know, Amazon as a products brand is become, you know, that that could be the next the next big uh, business model for Amazon. That that's getting very large, and you know they're they're not disclosing it, but like I I think a huge percentage of their holiday sales were Amazon branded branded products. There was certainly a huge percentage of all their, their marketing and promotions. Um, and I, I'm going to go to CES next week um, or tomorrow rather. And uh, the, you know, I think we're going to see Alexa integrated into the dash in a lot of cars. I think we're going to see it integrated into a lot of third products. We already know Lenovo and Harman Kardon and others are coming out with products. And so, yeah, like if that becomes a powerful ecosystem, you know, either they'll partner with someone that builds it into a phone or or they'll offer a phone themselves. So I, I think that's that's less crazy than it sounds at, at first blush. So I'm, I'm excited to see how 2017 plays out. Well, cool. Yeah, I think we've got some media ones here. So we'll, uh, I'm sure our listeners will keep us honest on this as we go through the year. So we'll, uh, you know, as things come up, we'll be sure to let you know, uh, you know, what we got right and what we got wrong. And then we'll recap a year from now. I absolutely will. And uh, this is a perfect time to concede that uh, once again, we've used a perfectly good hour of our listeners' time. Uh, do want to remind everyone that in a couple of weeks, we're going to be in New York for the NRF Big Show. If you're in the retail commerce space, uh, you really need to be there. And if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, you can use the Jason and Scott 20 promo code. That's J A S O N A N D S C O T. Two zero uh, in the promo field at, at nrf.com and get a uh, uh, 20% off on your registration. Um, and if you go to the show, make sure you, you visit uh, uh, our booth and, and uh, uh, participate in one of the live podcasts. Um, and uh, we will certainly look forward to meeting you there. Uh, between now and then, I mentioned I'm going to be at CES in Las Vegas. And so uh, hopefully end of next week we can do a a show with maybe a, a recap of some of the, the fun new stuff from CES, which I know is of, of interest to both you and I. Yeah, yeah. Safe travels. Happy New Year, everyone. And thanks for listening. Until next week, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.